Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome on in to the Utah Blockcast. Good to be back with you guys. Hope you all enjoyed the bye week. It's myself, Steve Bartle, going around. We've got Camp Beck, Andrew McCullough, Tyson Mall. Fellas, how we doing? How was your bye week? Much needed. Very yeah, much needed. Really nice. Really good. Uh, I love a bye week, when, especially Red River on the bye week. Ooh, oh, man. that was a great game. Man, I don't know how that game could have been better, honestly. <laughs> I don't either. That's, that's everything you want out of a college football game. What oh, did you, one, how did you describe thing. the game, Cam, on Twitter? You, they, oh, they so you said something about them being drunk, and I was just like, yeah, this, they never stopped drinking last night. They just did a couple rails and kept going. <laughs> Perfect. I got one yeah. thing that could have made it better is if it ended like the Oregon Georgia Tech game. Oh my gosh! Oh, or uh, you Lord. mean you mean Miami? Miami. Miami. What did I say? Yeah, Miami. Miami Sorry. Georgia Tech. Um, but yeah, I mean that, and then that ending, and then the Lincoln Riley like the USC disaster ending for dessert. Just what a what a couple of hours for college football, or really a couple of minutes. It all, that all happened within like thirty minutes of each other. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. The for yeah. those who didn't see uh, Mario Cristobal, just go search that on. Just go search that and have a great time today. Um, <laughs> you, you'll you'll have plenty of material. Um, but yeah, man, the USC ending was wild. Like the snap, the bad. Yes, it kick, was. The, the, they had they had like first and goal with a minute left or something on the six yard line and got no points out of it. Just we're gonna get to Crazy. it on my big takeaway. I still, I'm still like the, the, the play call for Arizona, the running a toss to the short side of the field to end the game is up there with Mario Cristobal, not kneeling it. No, come on. Don't be be dramatic. The Mario Cristobal is, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I've never seen a game end worse. Don't minimize that, that mistake. That was a blunder. It's not even like they, Miami fumbled the snap and Georgia Tech made right. It's not like they were like trying to kneel and like, oh, we messed it up. Like they were just like it was a it was total end of game Madden bullshit. Like straight up, Mario Cristobal was just like, as long as I hold down the right bumper, my guy can't fumble. Like it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Oh man, yeah. And then his, and a... then he had his offensive coordinator fall on the sword today. In their in their thing, Did he you... said it was his fault. In the post game, the first thing he said was, "Should have had two hands on the ball." Like, it's absurd. <laughs> he he finally came around to like, yeah, probably should have knelt it, you know. But it's like he's never done that in his career, so no, this it, is the, the second time too. Like, this did, is... did you see the tweet that was like all of their games this year where they ran out the clock, they never knelt. They ran the ball every no time. Way. Yeah, no, they've never, he's never. He's, he's he hasn't knelt. At I least think, this season, he yeah, hasn't I think it was it. further back than just this season. I think it was, uh, it was going back a, while, a ways in his career too. He just. Jeez. Bro, there's no better feeling than victory formation. Like that's, that's what blows my mind is the, uh, whatever. 
stupid, stupid decision. Uh, <laughs> anyways, before we before we get any further, I want to make sure we uh, we mention uh, make sure to follow Blockcast Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, go to utahblockcast.com. Support us there as well. Uh, we uh, great community on the Discord. Uh, love the community there. You can go sign up to utahblockcast dot com, uh, and you'll uh, get to hang out with a bunch of cool cats. Um, Somebody just <laughs> like forty five minutes ago. Um, I, I oh, let me pull it up so I can shout them out. Um, I want to say it was R Sutton. Aiden. Um, there's Coda chiming in as well. Thank you, R Sutton. Um, he said that the Discord was such great content today that it was by far the best subscription value he has every month. So shout out to you for uh, for that. That love was awesome. It. What an endorsement. It's madness in there sometimes, and we uh, we have fun. That's, oh, it's, that's the point. It is controlled chaos for sure. It, <laughs> it's um, like if, if so if you thought Twitter um, was fast, oh this is oh, bro. just streams streams of consciousness during a game. <laughs> you and ain't ready. What I love about it though is because like when I'm when I'm scrolling Twitter during a game or during college football or really any sporting event, it's like Okay, I I want to I don't want to see some of the other unrelated content, and that's the coolest thing about the Discord is if I'm just watching Miami uh, Georgia Tech game, I can go to the Miami Georgia Tech channel within the Discord, and that's all that we're talking about in there. And so it like it helps me to to minimize the uh, the, the distractions from other things. Uh, so it, you're able to like narrow in a little bit, which is nice. Or you can go big picture, you know, with the the, uh, some of the bigger channels, but uh, it's really cool in that sense. Like, if I want to focus on one specific thing, like a Utah game, uh, I can go to the the channel and and boom, away we go. We've got other channels. We've got a prop channel. We've got a weather channel. We talk all sorts of things, so it's uh, it's good fun there on the Discord. Um, let's uh, let's get going here, fellas. Uh, it is Monday, six seventeen p.m. to be exact. And uh, there's been a lot going on. But uh, before we get into some of the hot topics, we'll talk, you know, obviously Cam Rising and what's going on there. We'll dive into the current QB situation. Uh, We'll talk about the offense and ways that uh, hopefully they can improve this week against a a Cal Cal team. Uh, We'll take a look at the Pac-12, kind of reset the uh, the board there, and then uh, and then talk a little bit more on uh, Utah Cal and and that matchup. So. Uh, before we get into that, what was your guys's big takeaway or little question from the weekend that was? I'll start. Mine's pretty. Mine's pretty succinct. USC sucks. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> like Caleb. Caleb oh. Williams might be the best college football player I've ever seen, but USC sucks. Bro, this is this is not a good team. It's crazy. No, they're bad. Like they're they if they might lose three games this season. Like they, it's coming. They, they their luck is going to run out. They almost lost to freaking Arizona at home with the at best home. college football player we've ever seen. It's crazy. He looked it in that game though, man. Like he did. He, he looked his touchdown or was it conversion? I can't remember. Whichever touchdown that like they stuffed him three yards in the backfield and he still he just, just powered carried through the and guy. fell forward. Yeah. It's just like, what do you do? What do you do when he can do that? He can also put it on a line for 40 yards right on target, and he's the fastest guy on your team. Like, what do you do? That's I still think that that throw, I think it was at Stanford he made, where he, like, sidearmed it past, like, a free-running D-end on a, on a wide receiver, like, bubble screen. 
That was stupid. I don't even think he grabbed the laces Bro. either. Like that was one of the quickest releases I've seen, and he did it sidearm. It's dumb. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is like there was a throw. He's scrambling right, and then I think he like cuts back to his left and just sidearms this throw on the money into the back of the end zone to to a guy. And it's just like how what how how does how does one do that so effectively and efficiently and so good like he's he's at a at a different level and yet here we are talking about usc sucking he, <laughs> like he looks like not good honestly he looks like what he looks like what people who are only nfl guys probably think patrick mahomes was like in college right like because you yeah. look you look back at patrick and like he did amazing things but he wasn't this like caleb williams is if he continues the trajectory like that he is on if he turns into what he could be holy crap like the nfl is gonna be absurd with quarterbacks in a few years we're all worried about what the nfl is gonna do with tom brady leaving are they gonna be able to to have superstar it's like yeah no there's more great quarterbacks than there's ever been and it's just getting better here are some numbers just to kind of validate your succinct point that usc sucks cam um one team gained 506 yards. One team gained 303 passing yards and 203 rushing yards. Uh, one team averaged 6.6 yards per play. One was 8 of 16 on third down, 2 of 2 on fourth down, ran 77 total plays, and that team was Arizona. <laughs> like They were so much better than USC in that game. That defense is so bad. If you have an offense – you have a chance to win. Like, it's yes. it's I, just that simple. I don't care who Utah starts down there. As long as Alex Grinch is employed by the University of Southern California, they've got a chance. a chance at winning. Yeah, yeah Utah can win as long as Alex Grinch has a job. He might not. He might not have one for much longer. Um, they got to play Notre Dame next week, and if they lose to Notre Dame after Notre Dame Ooh. lost to Louisville like they did, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't I know. Um, USC tweeted something at the end of that game that I'm trying to find. Um, but it was basically a, um, it was just a, a comparison of like the game stats from the day. And it was Arizona had like 30% more offensive yards than USC. They allowed um, obviously fewer yards than USC. They had like, they were worse on like third downs or something. They were every offensive statistic down the line. Arizona outperformed them. Like USC fans are in the mentions, like delete this. This is embarrassing. And that's, that's who their team is this year. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Oh boy. And that's with Caleb Williams. Um, all, everyone at Oklahoma, every Oklahoma fan who said, no, actually Lincoln Riley is the new Jimbo Fisher. And you're going to find out at USC. It's looking pretty smart right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Tyson, what's your, what's your big takeaway or little question? Uh, yeah, this one's kind of tough. Um, I just keep coming around to like all this, like with USC looking like they do, Washington looking like they did against Arizona, and Utah's defense being as good as it is, and all the other stuff going on around college football. Like this is was the year that everything seems to sort of be going right for Utah's chances at having like a really special season, except Utah's offense. <laughs> So like it just it just it, it had me just sort of like sad for a bit like thinking like this could have been something really special because it does seem like a lot of stuff around college football yeah. is finally kind of breaking Utah's way. 
except for Utah. Yeah. So yeah. that's mine. We'll talk. And hopefully that hopefully that doesn't you know hopefully that changes. But right yeah. now it's not. <laughs> we'll we'll talk a lot about that. I'm sure. Andrew, go ahead. What's your big takeaway or little question? Um, mine is a little question, and it's to uh, a little bit to Tyson's point. I think with uh, things breaking right, except for Utah's offense, um, and that is. Um, is this weekend a program? Uh, c- can this weekend be a program defining win? Ooh, and I think it can be uh, because um, things are breaking uh, well. Um, you know, anytime you you buy week as well as Utah did uh, from a national and a, conf- a conference perspective, um, I think it gives you a little bit of glimmer of hope. You know, to, uh, hope of course is is what kills you, so be careful with it. But um, Utah, in my estimation, is, has played the two best defenses that will actually play in conference um, the last two games. I, I do think UCLA and, and Oregon State have, um, you know, the the two best def- – but outside of Utah, obviously, they're not going to play their own defense. But um, I, I think things are going to get easier in terms of the defenses you face. And what this team needs more than anything, in, in my estimation, is a little bit of success. They need to get that taste back in their mouth – uh, they need to, you know, get the feeling of, hey, you know, we're having fun, um, you know, that we're, we're putting up points, we're having a good time, um, and, you know, this could be a, a great weekend to do it because, as we know, uh, USC looks beatable, and you get them, uh, you know, the week after, they got to play Notre Dame, so it's not like they can be overlooking their, their current opponent. And, uh, you know, if you're able to go 2-0 and over the next two weeks, you're right in the thick of this thing. Um, yeah. And so I, I think – Again, it, can this be a program-defining uh, game this weekend is my little question. Yeah. No, I think – honestly, I think it's a great question because, you know, there's – again, and we're going to talk about this in depth, but there's a lot going on, you know, right now with – uh, You know, so how does the team respond after a week away? Like, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's going to define – you know this program so uh, i think you're spot on there andrew um my uh, my little i've got a little question uh you know i talked previously about you know utah needing a pass rush and after watching this weekend of football you know watching that texas and oklahoma game uh you know you need good defensive linemen watching um usc arizona just go you know back and forth you need a good defensive line to get after the quarterback, to stuff the run. You need dudes on, you know, at that spot specifically. Uh, Utah this year has evolved in that sense where they've got athletes, they've got dudes, unlike anything that we've seen before, right? We've seen Utah have a guy, a mayor, but we haven't seen a collective effort, you know, like this in terms of getting after the pass rusher where Utah's, they've had to rely on their third, fourth, defensive end you know we're still waiting on a couple guys to get back Connor O'Toole and Van Fillinger um and so we've seen Utah evolve in that in that sense on that side of the ball with the passing game uh my question my little question is is Utah prepared to evolve offensively as the game trends more and more to the throw game that's that's my big question and you know I know currently with Whittingham he loves that ball control offense he wants to control the clock he wants to minimize snaps but Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you see it everywhere, right? Offense sort of dictates things in this game. And so, you know, I'm just curious, you know, if, if Utah's prepared to, to make that evolution. It may not be this year, you know, but, you know, down the road, Isaac Wilson coming in. 
you know, are they, are they truly prepared to commit to that evolution? Uh, it's, it's just something that was on my mind all weekend and I'm excited to learn that over the next couple seasons. We'll see. I don't see Kyle Whittingham ever not being a run first guy. Me neither. Um, yeah, me neither. That's even, what's so hard to me. The issue is I don't think you have to necessarily go away from run first, but you have to be willing to to sling it. I mean, that's just today's day and age. And and I the, the, the frustrating thing for me and uh, is that the risk of not doing it is seemingly growing exponentially as the game evolves. Where yeah. you, you you know in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, even the early two thousands, like. You, you know, you had the like there was there was a, a clear, distinct differentiation between, you know, being able to go ball control um, and eliminate the, the risk of throwing an interception. But it's kind of like the three point game in the NBA. It's got to the point where it's now so disadvantageous to take a two point shot in the NBA that a three. And it's the same idea with throwing the ball in college football. You have to just be willing to take those trade offs and. And the risk to reward is just to me, it's 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 flipped. It's it's yeah. it's changed the last whatever five to seven years, um, and and Utah's been a little bit behind on that trend. Yeah, I don't think it's no, necessarily so- like like you you know got to go like air raid or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think you can still succeed and open up the pass passing a lot if you are still a run first team, um, because you know you can scheme against if you're just like throwing it all the time, you got an elite quarterback. Like look what Arizona did to Michael Penix held him to no touchdowns and Washington needed to use run game to really win that game. So I think yeah. if you, if you, and you can use it as I, I think a lot of teams like USC need that crazy insane offense because their defense is so bad. You Oklahoma needed it with Lincoln Riley there too. Um, but when you got an elite defense like Utah, elite physical defense like Utah always tends to have, you can use, you know, maybe you can pass a little bit more depending on what team you're playing. Maybe you run a little bit more depending on what team you're playing. Oh, sure. You can, yeah. You got to be able to use them both interchangeably. And right now and recently, Utah's been more of a run thing with some sprinkles they have passing to. it. Yeah. They have to. No, be. yeah, because they have um, to. But I think evolving to that where you can really open up with the passing game and you can get a guy who can just sling it around and make plays, you can keep teams kind of off balance. You can you can really um, tailor your game plan to you know the team you're playing. You don't gotta like try and do something and hope that it works, and then try and catch them off guard with a pass or sure. something like that. You know, sure. I should I should throw out just because I was a little crucial or a little critical there. Um, I don't think Kyle Whittingham. Uh, you know, if you look back the last four years, Utah has been that. Like they have been slinging the ball. You know, sure. and it wasn't just Cam Rising; it was before that too with Tyler Huntley. And and uh, it's it's just unfortunate that we've been dealt the hand we have this season. Um, yeah. I still think the risk to not doing, you know, not airing it out is is pretty high though. Oh yeah, and sure. I, I think and I think what I what I'm suggesting is is more. What what is it? Um, you know, more just, I guess, freedom. I guess you know, for quarterbacks to to make throws down the field, right? We we've seen Utah. They throw the ball. They have great balance. They've had great balance each of the past two seasons, and, and I think that's something that Cam brings to this offense because you know he's smart. He knows what he's reading. He knows what he's he's looking at. Uh, you know, on the defense side of the ball, and it gets Utah in the right plays. And when you're in the right plays, 
you're, you're going to have a lot of success. Um, and so to me, I, I just, it's a, it's hard to, it's hard for me to explain, but you know, just watching Noah Fafita, just kind of sling it around a little bit, right? Like I think watching Isaac Wilson at corner Canyon, you see a lot of Noah Fafita in, in Isaac. Well, you know, I saw, I, I made that comparison during that game. And I just wonder if Utah is, is willing to really lean into the quarterback position uh, to give them that freedom to just sling it around a little bit more. And, and that's just, that's something, but I do think like Isaac Wilson is that sort of quarterback that can help Utah just because he is coming from that sort of system at corner Canyon where he's making reads down the field. He's looking for, you know, certain, certain reads and, and keys uh, to make decisions off of down the field. He understands what to read down the field to make throws down the field. And I think, uh, so I think um, I'm excited for the Wilson era because, you know, he is coming up from, from a program that likes to throw it around. And I think, you know, I just, again, just curious if Utah's truly prepared to, to feature that. So I like to uh, think that it's, it's like an artist, you know, the quarterback positions, like being an artist and Utah is pretty committed to the paint by numbers um, form of art right now. <laughs> it's like some of these guys, you got to let them get their Jackson Pollock on or their, you know, Vincent Van Gogh, let him let him go wild a little bit. But uh, we're pretty set on the you know the watercolor paint by number set for the moment. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, let's let's move on here. Let's let's talk about the current QB situation. And obviously, good grief, uh, it's been a hot topic over the last week. Um, you know, going back to to last week, last Tuesday, Kyle Whittingham, you know, made some comments that you know, you could certainly take away that there was some frustration in those comments uh, with Cam and, and the whole situation of him essentially taking practice snaps and then not being deemed available for, for games. And I think that there was a certain level of expectation that he would be playing. And a couple days later, Cam has his conversation uh, with, with Bill Riley on ESPN 700. And uh, he, uh, he basically, provides a tell-all of his knee injury and uh, provides a very clear picture of just how how bad that injury was. And today, Chris Camrani gives us a, a great article that goes in-depth, in detail of what is going on with Cam and his rehab. And so, you know, just curious what, what your guys' thoughts are on this whole situation. There's, there's a lot of ways to go with this. So I'm just, I'm leaving it open. And just, what are your guys' thoughts on this whole situation? Um, to start the Camrani article for the athletic is great. Always read Camrani. He is, um, he's really fantastic. Um, but there was one thing in that piece that really jumped out at me. And that was what the surgeon said about the timetable for this type of injury. And that it really is 10 to 12 months. He had the surgery on January 16th, 10 months is November 16th. Um, October. I no, November. One plus ten. You're right. You're right. Um, you're right. But you're right. How did we get to August thirty first from that? Is my one question. Um, and that's kind of how I. Th- that's the biggest thing that I was hanging up on on that article is that's a that's a twelve. No, not quite twelve. But that's like what nine weeks, nine weeks different or so. Um, maybe maybe ten weeks different. Um, that's a long time for the coaching staff. I mean, I get they were optimistic. Maybe he, in the article, it also mentioned that Cam's knee is progressing incredibly. Um, and so there's good news and things there, but 
my my impression after everything we've seen is that nobody's lying. Nobody's stu- I think that everybody was wrong and nobody was wrong. It's just a messy situation with a lot with really high stakes. And that caused it to be a little bit more emotional. Wanted people to be probably more hopeful than they were. Um, I, I feel at this point there's either no blame to be passed or there's so much blame to be passed that it's impossible to figure out who to give it to. And so it's just time to move on. Yeah. I think uh, to echo that, I I tend to um, be a little bit more on the pessimism side in the sense that I think there's just a lot of blame to be passed around. I don't necessarily think that we need to get into who, who deserves that. Um, The reality is communication broke down between so many parties um, yeah. And and some of that was probably, like Cam said, uh, based off of hope. Some of that may be based off of uh, people trying to, uh, you know, accomplish certain outcomes, goals, uh, this, that or the other. But the reality is the communication was just bad. The messaging was bad. Um, you know, if you want to look at it from a PR perspective, just absolutely handled poorly. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, it has had. Uh, negative impacts uh, on the team in the sense that it the, it became larger than the team. It has become larger than the team. Um, you know, it, it got to the point where you could visibly see frustration on Kyle Whittingham, somebody who's like maybe one of the most in control uh, of their emotions in front of the media type dudes there is. Um, I mean, he'll put you to sleep during a media uh, availability <laughs> with his, yep. his, how boring he is. And yet he was so frustrated and, and uh, you also now have a doctor, um, which obviously he got the green light to share the details he did, right? I'm not suggesting that he was out here violating hippos or anything, but, um, you know, we got a doctor, <laughs> we got a doctor out here, uh, you know, telling state, state secrets now to kind of clear the air, if you will. Um, and so I think in that perspective, this is just a great, uh, it's a great learning tool for anybody in life on, on how quickly communication can break down and just warp. The good news is that winning solves a lot. And so if and when Cam is able to get back on the field and Utah football is able to win some games, a lot of the the turmoil and maybe the frustrations and whatever you want to call it, uh, that can go away very quickly, um, you know, if, 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 if things start trending in the right direction. I... I- One thing quickly on that, you know, who's really pleased with Cam's recovery so far is the surgeon. Like that was one thing that came through in that article as well is nobody's more happy with how Cam is progressing than him. And so that leads me to think that I've thought I've been thinking about it since I read it. And I feel like the conversations have gone like this, right? Because, because we know that coaches, the Utah staff hasn't had connection with the doctor himself. Right. Um, I think the conversation goes, hey, doc, am I going to be able to play on August 31st? And doctor says, you know, if everything goes perfectly, we'll see how you're progressing. Um, You know, unlikely, but maybe possible, right? Coaching staff, Cam, what did doctor say about August 31st? He said it's possible. Okay, (laughs) here we are. When really the doctor is like, oh, well, that's kind of what I said. 
But what I said before that was 10 to 12 months starting. You ever played that telephone game where you whisper? No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I mean, like, it's probably not that anyone was wrong. It's probably that it was like, hey, there's a chance I'm going to do, if I'm Cam, right? I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that I have that chance. It sounds like he's doing that. And he's done that. Like his knee, like I said, progressing incredibly. They said no swelling in the joint, which is phenomenal. Like the optimism of him to be able to play is really relatable, I think. And if that's what was passed along to the coaching staff, it's hard to blame him. Once you get to that date, though, that's where it gets frustrating to be like, hey, man, hey, everyone, I thought we were going to be ready to go. And now we're talking about six, eight weeks still. Um, how do we miss by this much? And it, it just feels like it was some blind optimism on on some parts by a lot of a lot of folks. I do want to throw yeah. one one thing out there, though. Um, yeah, um, this is a big piece, right? A lot of the country is paying attention to this. Obviously, out here on the West Coast, it's a big thing. Um, but, uh, you know, even in the rankings and, and back east, they're talking about Cam Rising, whether play, you know, all the major podcasts and things. Um, so I don't think that there was a high likelihood that the doctor was going to do this interview and say he wasn't super pleased with with Cam's progression of his knee. Um, so I, I, I definitely take what the surgeon says with a big grain of salt there. Okay, Mr. Pessimism. Well, I just know doctors, man. They're like the fourth member of the Godhead and think they're moving up fast. Well, and he's he's maybe the best orthopedic surgeon. And he's maybe the best orthopedic surgeon in the world, right? Like, I'm sure he's not like, not my best work. Um, <laughs> ah, I really fucked that one up. Yeah, it's. I think it's just oh, a thing. But also, tag. But also, he's, also, I love that Andrew drops that because it just, it takes so much weight off my shoulders to be myself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, but Andrew. also... Again, like he doesn't give a shit if Cam plays football this year, right? No, like no. His job is to make sure that that knee gets fully recovered, and so that he can say, like, "Hey, here's another perfectly successful patient." Right? That's what he's looking for. He does not care if Cam plays another down of football, frankly. Um, and it's fine. That's the right opinion for him to have. Like he yeah, should no, absolutely. That's his Cam's. priority as a doctor. Yes. Absolutely. And, and at, so at no point, at no point is he going to like also say like, Hey man, like I just wanted to get healthy. I don't care how long it takes. I'm sure he's had the conversations with Cam. Like, Hey, you want to play this season? Then I will do everything in my power to help you get there. But I don't want you going out there with the possibility of, again, for Cam's well being, not for his like reputation as a knee surgeon, you know, like, he just wants Cam to be able to play, but he wants him to, you know, obviously stay healthy. So I, it's props to him. I mean, again, he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Um, yeah. The only my my whole thoughts on this has just been sort of a I, I've I've looked at it sort of as a failure of communication by everybody and and anybody in this situation. Um, the messaging from the coaching staff coming into the season, basically being like, we expect Cam to probably play against Florida and then dragged it on for multiple weeks. Um, Cam waiting until five games into the year to say, Oh, it wasn't just my ACL, everybody. It was all of these things too. And which like, I, I, I have to like, under, like I want to understand how, when he had that surgery, the coach, like if the doctor like just knows, right then like it's a 10 to 12 month 
you know, rehabilitation yeah, and, and yeah. timeline recovery. Again, like Cam said, how do the coaches get to August 31st? I understand optimism, but you knew this in, or I, I hope you knew this in January, because at you that point, have. if you didn't know this, that is a failure on your part. That's a failure yeah. on Cam's part. I, I don't, I just, the, the, the whole disconnecting and, and lack of communication or failure to communicate well has been just horrible yeah. by everybody. I, Tyson, I agree with you completely. I think it's, you know, I, I agree that there has probably been a big failure in communication um, from, from everybody involved here, but it's resulted in, you know, what I, what I've deemed like a gross mismanagement of insight of tone of message being sent to the public uh, that just created a very false hope and expectation for rising, which wasn't fair to him in the first place. And, and I think it's been interesting to sort of see Cam kind of take this in his own hands and, you know, events, you know, essentially push back on this frustration of him. You know, it's, it was kind of a, I don't want to say a relief. That's not the right word I'm looking for, but it was also, it was almost, you know, it was, it was interesting to see him just kind of come completely clean on just how bad that injury was to, to lay clear what exactly he tore in that knee. And, you know, I think for him, it was probably a big relief off of his shoulders, just kind of the weight of all the frustrations, the growing frustrations that I'm sure he could feel, um, you know, both in the building and within the fan base. I I'm sure for him, it was just a big relief to get that off his chest, to air that out. And, and to, to make it clear that, you know, this is a pretty big injury that he's coming back from. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, I look at this and, you know, Kyle Whittingham had his press conference today and, you know, he made the comment that, you know, what good does talking about injuries do? How does that help you win games? And, and to me, I, you know, in this situation, like I get that on a week to week basis in season, but with this, this has so much writing on it that it, it just feels like he prioritized having an advantage in a game over all of these different things. And that that's tough. Like, that, you know, that's tough to hear, tough to read, tough to see. You know, he gets paid to win at all costs. He doesn't get paid to be fair, to be clear on these sort of things. And to me, like, I just feel like this cost way too much than it ever needed to because it's just created this big cluster of frustration from, from all parties where we've got to have a tell-all article by Chris Camerani. And it's just, man, just, just tough. And again, it probably comes back to poor communication by all parties and just miscommunications here and there along the way. But it just—it's just a, a tough, tough situation. I will, I'll I will, bet this never happens again. I do no. want to say that I don't—I'm—I'm I'm one that's very skeptical when I read. I always—the first thing I do is I—I I always want to analyze who's the author, who's the source, and what do they want to tell me. Um, what would they want to tell me? Not necessarily what, what is accurate. I struggle sure. to believe that the 10 to 12 months was ever made very clear uh, to the parties involved. You're I probably just, right. Okay. 
I see what you're saying there as well. There's an orthopedic center on the hospital. Pick up the phone. Like, Epithe U Hospital. Pick up the phone and ask an orthopedic surgeon how long the timeline is. It's, 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 I didn't mean, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but no, you're, man, you're fine, I just, you're fine, but that's, I don't think that 10 to, I think the 10 to 12 months is, um, it's almost like a post hoc ergo propter hoc type fallacy going on now. It's yeah, like, we know now, what that means. Now yeah. that it has, oh, what? <laughs> well, it's like now that it has taken this long, that was always how long it was going to take. Uh, I don't, I just don't believe that that, that's, I, I I can't believe that Kyle Whittingham would be so naive to say 12, potentially 10 to 12 months. So the, the median there is 11, meaning he misses the whole season. And that he's going to come out and say, yeah, he's going to be our starter August 31st. Man, that just that just seems so out of line with with. And, and frankly, if I'm Cam Rising and, and I've been told 10 to 12 months and I have somebody coming out here saying, oh, no, he's going to be ready to go in August. At what point does does he have some sort of personal responsibility? To be like, whoa, 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 dude, I'm I'm not, I'm nowhere near that. But that that hadn't come out either. I, I I'm highly skeptical of 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 the article. I mean, I think it highlights the issues of communication because we are so drastically far apart. I think yeah. that that has to fall on both parties. But I'm also very skeptical of the fact that we're now almost what we're nine months post post op now. That yeah. now we're hearing it's a ten to twelve month injury. Sure, uh, it's just it's it's I don't know. It's hard to know what yeah. to believe and what not to believe. No, and and to your point, Andrew, like coaches genuinely believe, like people in the building genuinely believe that he was going to be ready. This wasn't some like hope and like they the belief was that he was going to be ready to go. Like it was so it just hammered into the to the thought process to the talk of the season. Anybody, when you talk to anybody up there, it was, you know, he's, he's going to be close, uh, but he's, he's going to be ready. So it's just, it wasn't like they genuinely believed it. And so there's just, I don't know, like you said, there's definitely a, a, a big, big miscommunication in terms of the timeline and the expectations, but the coaches I know are, are, you know, genuinely believe that they, that he would be ready. When this is all over and, and Utah's won a national championship. Um, because that's still what's happening, right? Um, oh, absolutely. When it's all over and Utah's won a national championship, I am eager to read Chris Kamrani's book about all of this. <laughs> Do we and get he should a, write it? If he writes yeah, it, I will buy it. That's can, Chris. That's can that's we get a Netflix guaranteed. documentary? Can we get a Netflix documentary with it? Uh, it's well, if that, it's going to be um, as one side as Swamp Kings, I don't know that we necessarily want. <laughs> Yeah, no, good point. Um, so let's so let's move on from from the camp situation. Obviously, we hope for the best and hope that he's um, you know genuinely close to returning. Uh, we will uh, we'll see on that. But the current QB situation, um, man, <laughs> tough. Just kind of an unfortunate sh- series of uh, of shit events for Utah football in that quarterback room. Um, going back to last year, right? So. You sign you you essentially you get camp to to agree to come back, run it back for another year. You're feeling great. You've got an NIL deal in place for him that's gonna take care of him. And then he gets injured in the Rose Bowl game. Boom, blow number one. You get into the spring game and you're focused on getting Brandon Rose and Nate Johnson reps to get them up to speed to see what they've got. And what do you know? Nate Johnson, he's got a tight hammy for three weeks. Just can't go. Doesn't get reps. It's all Brandon Rose and Bryson Barnes from there, and uh, and dang, 
you know, but but Brandon exits spring as QB two, and you know we're feeling good, we're feeling okay, and then you get into fall camp, and what does Brandon do? Falls on a football wrong and lacerates his liver. <laughs> You're just like, what the hell? And uh, you know, so you've got your hopeful QB two, uh, you know, your potential future QB uh, for for Utah football uh, in the hospital. And you've now got to get your QB4 and designated gadget player. Uh, you've got to force feed him reps and get him up to speed as a quarterback. And now here we are. Bryson Barnes uh, took a brutal shot, uh, blatant cheap shot um, to, to the sternum, to the ribs. Uh, he went to the hospital. Uh, and so Utah has one court, one scholarship quarterback that has not gone to the hospital this year. And and uh, and that's where we're at. We've got Luke Batari uh, taking taking some practice snaps as well. If you don't know who Luke Batari is, um, you're not alone. There's a reason for that. Not alone. <laughs> but that's that's where we're at. I still want to yeah. know how Luke Batari ended up back here because at one uh, point he transferred and then transferred to Cal yes. and then still somehow so, ended up on the Utah roster. <laughs> yes. So Luke Batari, he was a walk on. He transferred from here to Cal uh, last year. So after last season, he transferred to Cal. Cal then told him he was not going to be on the travel squad. Well, Utah got word of that, gave him a little ring, ring, ring. And, you know, they say, hey, Luke, you like to travel to these games, right? We'd like to have you on the <laughs> sideline. Let's uh, let's welcome you back. And so that's that's how he came back as uh, he was not going to travel for Cal. And Utah said, hey, we loved you here. Come on back, brother. How long after Brandon Rose's injury did that phone call happen? Oh, no, this happened before even Brandon Rose. This happened, I think, mm. over the summer. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was good insurance because they probably didn't think they were going to need him. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I want to hear it about Utah not, not going after a, a – Quarterback in the transfer portal, okay? Luke Batar was the transfer portal quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. Mac, How- isn't Mac Howard still on the team? He, yes, he is. But man, he is. Uh, he's not. He's not ready. He's. He's. He is not that guy. Well, I was just You're- wondering if he was still on the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. He is. He is. Man, I tell you, um, you know, some guys need a lot of time in the weight room, and Mac Howard is probably one of those guys. Yeah, I think he was sub 180 pounds. I think he, I think they yeah. had him listed at 179, which uh, very svelte for the the collegiate game. You remember Ryan? How Ryan Gosling looked in football pads, and remember, remember the, the Titans? Team. How just rail thin he looked, um, <laughs> and just how awkward he was. Kind of like a it an just, absolute it liability weird. is what you yeah want to there say. was, he was exactly. yeah that's 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 what Mac Howard is in a you know in a football uniform right now. So, Things turned out well just, for Gosling. That's that's good news. He for did. Okay. No, absolutely. So as long as Max stays the course and uh, you know sticks He'll with win it, an Oscar. He's he's going to turn out just fine. It just takes a couple years. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Oh boy, um, I am a little bit. Anyway, this might be something of a tangent, but um, who's playing quarterback this week? Nate Johnson. Nate Johnson. Right. Nate Johnson is the guy until until he's not. So uh, so on that note, we have a we have kind of a the, the next question in our show plan here is how Utah can 
can improve the offense with Nate Johnson, right? We've, we've seen what we've seen. Um, last couple games have been tough. Um, I've got an opinion on how Utah can control the offense. I, I've stated it. I, I can't remember if we've talked about it on the pod or if it was only off. Um, but uh, something I'd love to see on Saturday is some deep balls. Let Nate, let Nate throw a couple. Let him chuck a couple down. Get those guys off the line, off the line of scrimmage. Make them at least respect a, a throw deep to the sideline. You know, um, it's sure it's not Nate's expertise. I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's going to go perfectly. I'm saying receivers be prepared to tackle a DB if you have to to stop an interception. Um, <laughs> be prepared to go up and get a ball, but get some guys off the line of scrimmage. You have to have a threat to to score in a play if possible. Like and otherwise. Cal is almost exactly average at football this year. Um, they're ranked like 68th or something in SP plus, And that's like 66th offense and 64th defense or something. They're like just exactly average across the board. Special teams, luckily, they're like the third worst in the, in the country. So um, opportunity there. But even against that average, basically the, the bar, the median football team coming in on Saturday, if they can put nine guys in the box – you're going to have a similar game to what you've seen. Um, I, I really hope with Nate on Saturday, Utah, Utah gives him some shots. Um, like I said, pick your spots. It doesn't, I'm not saying be reckless, but I hope that in the past couple of weeks, they've, they've put in some opportunities for Utah to stretch it a bit with him. Yeah. My, yeah, my, the other thing I wanted to add to, to talk to the wide receivers is uh, yeah. Tackle uh, a DB if you have to, um, go up and get balls and fight through DBs to get defensive pass interferences. Uh, yes. We know that we know that Nate doesn't have the strongest arm. Like he's not going to be delivering sixty-yard bombs down the field. If it's a little underthrown, try and fight through the guy and draw a flag. That's fifteen yards. And Fine it, with that. I think yeah, no, I think and that's that's a great point. Like giving him opportunities to make those throws down the field. Nate also needs to be willing to make those throws down the field. He had some opportunity and this is this is part of what you do in practice, right? You you install these plays and you encourage him to look for certain things in in practice so that he will be more willing to make these throws down the field. I think you've you've got to open up the the defense you've got to create some space um you know in the box for your run game and i think throwing it simply throwing it down the field this is where we're at with the offense we're simply throwing it down the field could could have an impact hey on, on the, we need on the throw it, throw it to the middle Dora. throw it to the middle of the field where nobody is for all i care maybe they'll put a safety back there to intercept our errant throws like gets <laughs> just get him away from the line of scrimmage yeah, yeah. I think my point is similar. Um, I think obviously you, you have to you have to be able to do what you're good at, which is which is typically uh, running the ball. But to do that, you got to get you got to get open up some space. And I think um, to Cam's point, I think that's the right idea. If it was me, I would look to attack a lot of seam routes um, because the concept of the the seams is that you are you're, you're essentially trying to put the ball somewhere more or less in between two separate zones of coverage, right? And so um, hopefully you're making a linebacker or a safety as well as the the cover corner um, pay attention to your wide receiver. Again, it may not even be about completing the pass, um, but making them respect 
the, uh, the, the offense in that regard. Um, you know, especially that medium seam route where, where you can be, you can be pulling a linebacker back, um, but then you also have to keep the safety engaged. Plus, you know, maybe if there's a cover corner to start, you've got to make, you've got to make a defense stay honest. You can't let them have nine guys on the line of scrimmage, um, whether that's nine in the box or, or just nine on the line. You've got to make them respect you a little bit in that sense. Now, I think the easiest way to do that is to take um, Nate Johnson and put him on the sideline and put Cam Rising on the field. And so I think that is the most ideal way to get the offense to look better this weekend is Cam on – uh, maybe Nate uh, off and see how that, that plays out. So that's kind of what I think would be best for the offense. And we'll see if they can make that adjustment. I should have let Andrew answer my question earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. My, my thoughts are, are, you know, similar to, to similar to Cam and Andrews, but um, I, I think it all starts with Ludwig. He's got to he's got to dial up something. He's got to get some confidence in in Nate, um, and that, if that includes you know short passes, slants, something just to get him in a little bit of a groove throwing the ball. And then again, like Cam said, take some deep shots, um, make them respect it. Send somebody deep, throw it up there, and and tell them to go get it. Uh, but the other most important thing after Ludwig getting those getting those uh, plays dialed up offensive line's got to do something to improve because in run blocking and pass blocking, it's just been nowhere near the level that we expected out of them and that we've come to expect from a Utah offensive line. Um, so getting that, it's even just marginally improved um, and getting a healthy JJ, I think is going to be a, a huge help getting him back and actually like making plays and run the ball and establish a run game. But Ludwig's got to do something with whoever's back there at quarterback, um, whether that's Nate um, Rose, if Cam somehow plays this week, I don't know. Um, he's got to do something to, to get some, to get some confidence in the guy that's, that's running the offense. Uh, you know what I think? Let's get a little tricky. Why not? Some Why sports? not at this point? Run the like, reverse flea flicker that the lions and the, um, who else ran that? Yeah. Why not? That the lions, they lay throw liners. The Niners, like why, yeah. Utah ran Utah ran that pass to to Cole Fotheringham into the end zone like four times in one season, right? Like we're not a, we're not opposed to uh, to replaying a trick play. Pull them back yeah. out. Why not? Yeah. They all count. Get get nuts. Find the missing jet sweep pages. <laughs> Who? Uh... Greg Keeney took those with him. Yeah, he, he did. <laughs> Britain that's Cubby what they. That's the designated that's what they used. That's what they used for uh, for Keithy's knee for his, his ACL surgery. <laughs> oh, oh, the missing The binder rings. The binder <laughs> snapped together. They just snapped him around his knee. That's what uh, the scope was for a couple weeks ago. They had to they had to get in there and, and see if they, they could they, get it. They had to get the pages back. They're just in there looking with one of those cameras. Like I can see the play. Uh, yeah, I can see it right there. Oh look, we can oh draw right gosh. here on the knee. A little, a little incision here. We've got a little post route of uh, an incision. And uh, no, it's so it'll be interesting, right? How how does the the uh, the offense improve? Well, the the only way it can really improve is with better quarterback play and better pass game production, right? That's what is needed. Like 
Utah talks so much about making teams become one-dimensional on the defensive side of the ball. That's what they've become offensively is one-dimensional. And it's just because they don't have a guy that has they don't have they haven't had somebody perform at a at an efficient level over the last two games. And uh and it's tough because Nate has been put in a very tough situation with uh with uh, practice and having to split reps with with Cam and you know that's tough on him I'm sure um and so you know you're going to have to manufacture uh some some easy opportunities you're also going to have to push him to as you said Cam to push the ball down the field you know he's got to make throws down the field and and that'll that'll benefit you know everybody I think and it's not just on the coaches right it's not just on the play calling like Nate's got to be better he yes. he didn't throw the ball well against Oregon State um, no. he, he made a couple of good throws, but most of his throws were a bit erratic. And uh, I mean, you could see it in the receivers with all the drops. They don't know where the ball is going to come. They don't know. They've got a, they've got a target from their shins to three feet above their heads that, that Nate's throwing for. And that's just got, he's just got to be better. So yeah. like finding, finding ways to get him confidence early, um, find like, get him in rhythm on those things. I, I don't know what that is. It, I mean, I hate to say it. Like the fact is, is he's, your third or fourth guy on the roster anyway, like it's, for a you, reason. Yeah, yeah. You don't expect that guy to come in and light things up, but, right. but the truth is if Utah is going to improve on offense, if of uh, barring other changes, barring the other things we've said, one of the things that could improve is just Nate's play, frankly. Yeah. I think one and, thing that'll help this weekend is Cal's defense. Isn't as good as Oregon state's defense, Oregon state's defense had flaws, but overall Cal's defense is, is quite a bit worse. It's also quite a, 52 points to Oregon State just yeah. on Saturday. It, it's also quite a bit worse than UCLA's defense. So I do think that there's some room for um, things to feel a little bit easier for for Nate, if he's the quarterback, um, to be able to go out and uh, have a little bit more success um, because it, it may not be just quite as hard. We need the rest of the team to step up as well. Can't have the drops. Like you got to help your quarterback out. Uh, the the offensive line gotta gotta help um, gotta help your quarterback out. You gotta be able to um, to manufacture some some positivity uh, on that offense. You know, and and honestly, like if you have to go all in on the run game, bring in multiple other linemen and just go goal line up and down the field. You've got There's the bodies push. in you know on. Uh, in the old block, you've got, you said you were 10 deep in that group. If you need to bring out nine offensive linemen, a quarterback and a running back and just run down the field three, four yards at a time, do it. Like that's where we're at with this offense. I it's joked like, about it, but like how quickly could we install the triple option? Could that no, have been really? done during the, the, the bye week? I mean, is that, was that a possibility? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not. It's 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 not an easy off it's not an easy offense to install, but it's not the hardest either. How about the you, how about the you can hurt read option more, and you can, you can you can tell Nate, hey, don't be afraid to pull it every now and then in the read option, bro. Yeah, and or even just that, or, or even just that, like throw in some veer looks, right? Like you can install a couple of looks into your offense. You don't have to come out in the double wing, but like, yeah, like 
get get creative with his skill set. Like, I, yeah. actually, I don't know. I don't know what kind of pitch man Nate is. So maybe that's not in his skill set either, because that is... Is he, is he sunshine? If you need to go... If is you he need to go JJ, If you need to go JJ at the Wildcat, and I don't know if JJ's playing just yet, but if you need to go JJ at the Wildcat and just march up and down the field like the Miami Dolphins with of 2009 and reinvent football all over again... Look, if you have to put it. Lander just, Barton under center with, uh, you know, somebody behind, like uh, Yasmin behind him and just run Jalen Hurts third and fourth and just ones. push baby yeah just go for it like there ain't nothing wrong winning four yards at a time y'all i can no. only i can only get so aroused we gotta we gotta move on from <laughs> jj and lander playing quarterback um yeah, yeah let's, honestly let's i'm not opposed i'm gonna put jj back there we know he used to play it why not nine nine linemen and a couple running backs in the backfield and let's just JJ is good enough to be your running back out of a wildcat scenario and make great throws, right? For a running back. (laughs) For a running back. (laughs) But that's what I mean is he's he's got a good enough arm to be like, hey, got two of those. If you if you need to make a throw, you can. (laughs) Yeah, say he might have an arm between him and Nate. So yeah, you've got two of them. (sighs) So, so yeah, um, <laughs> there are certainly ways to improve. And, you know, Brandon Rose, uh, Brandon Rose is going to be interesting because obviously he's missed a ton of time with his lacerated liver, but he's available. And I'm sure that Utah would, would love to get him up to speed. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see if that brings anything, but you know, it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be anywhere close uh, anytime soon, guys, at least not this week. If you guys so we'll have see. ever talked to, uh, to Brandon Rose though, the one thing that I think could be kind of cool is if you go br- throw Brandon Rose in there, uh, nobody believes in Brandon Rose more than Brandon Rose. And it's, it's a cool <laughs> thing to have uh, because I don't think Utah's had a lot of that. And I don't want to even call it cocky, but like that, just that, that super, super confident, like I'm just the, I'm the man. Uh, yeah. That is a hundred percent Brandon Rose. So it could be cool to see him out there and just, uh, you know, sometimes confidence is literally all you need. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, all right, we've we've talked enough, enough about the quarterback situation, the offense, and and uh, let's let's kind of zoom out from Utah football and take a look at the uh, the rest of the Pac-12. We talked a lot about USC and and uh, and gave Caleb Williams just a tunnel. I'm disgusted at how much love we gave Caleb Williams. Uh, just absolutely. He's so Gross. good, man. I, I just, I had Stop to, it. I just, I had to say, I think we might be witnessing the best college football player I've ever seen. Oh, come to. on, bro. Come on. Did you, I said, come on. I said what I said. I said what I said and I stand by it. But All before right. that, for me, it was, it's Mariota is the one that I've seen like live. Yeah. Who's the best I've he ever seen. So and good. Caleb Williams is better than Mariota. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's, that's nah, pretty, right. that's, ooh. I think he's a better pro prospect for sure. Mariota, man. I think, man, he's, he I think he's a better everything, man. That November game, uh, Mariota, just uh, the way he, he single-handedly beat the hell out of us in yeah. every – like I thought it wasn't as good then. Yeah, but, but he was also – the thing about that game, if you recall, I felt like Oregon was just sucking ass at everything. Their offensive line looked like shit. Their, their tight end literally bent his knee the wrong way. Um, their defense was not good. And like Marcus Mariota was like single-handedly like, yeah, I'm going to beat you bitches by like 35. Like watch me do it. Um, he, that that was the most impressive game I, I've seen. But Caleb Williams, like his pass, like his pure passing ability 
is just literally off the charts. Like, he looks like a 10-year NFL vet already. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, disgusting. And he, he looks like he's playing playground ball too. That's what's crazy is he he just goes and he looks like every throw is a huge mistake. Like he makes the kind of throws that you're like, surely this one will be intercepted because no one in their right mind would make the throw like that. And then it's just like, Oh, actually it was on a dime. Right on the number <laughs> guys walking into the end zone. Anyway, sorry. That was the Caleb, Caleb Williams disgusted. remix. Jeez Louise. All right. We so let's end this episode. With Caleb let's Williams. uh, yeah, let's, let's reset the conference rankings not talk about Caleb Williams anymore. Um, USC is at the top 4-0 in conference. Oregon and Washington are 2-0. Oregon State 2-1. Utah 1-1. UCLA, Washington State 1-1 as well. Colorado, Arizona, California are all 1-2. And then Stanford and Arizona State bringing up the rear at 0-3. That's your conference. That's your Pac-12. Um if you had to, I guess, provide your ranking, how would you rank the top of the conference? So I did uh, a based tier, on what we've seen. So I did far. a tier system, and I'm just going to go two of them because I don't care about anyone outside yeah. of the top yeah, yeah. two. The top tier to me right now is Oregon and Washington. They're going to play this week, and that's going to be an awesome game to uh, kind of get the results of. See, see how that goes down. Um, I think it's a like a two and a half point spread. It's it's at uh, Husky Stadium, I believe. They are they are the top of the conference right now. Um, the next tier is what I call uh, flawed, but can compete. If some if something goes right for them, they can compete. That's USC. Obviously, that flaw flaw is is Alex Grinch and his defense. Um, Utah, the flaw is um, no offense, right? So USC and Utah are very similar in that in that sense. Don't even know how to spell it. Yeah. Then you have you have Oregon State, um, Washington State. And UCLA to me, those so that second tier is comprised of five teams, and I think those five, any one of those five, if things break down the right way, could still compete for the the conference championship game, uh, especially where so many of these teams have to play each other. Uh, but to me, that's that's the breakdown. It's clearly Oregon and UW at this point in that top tier. And yeah. game this weekend, right? Like, yeah. what a perfect timing for it. I I think I think you're right. I I think I'm giving Oregon the edge. Um, right now, I just because I think their their defense seems better than what I've seen out of Washington so far. But Washington's defense doesn't look bad either, and their offense is so good. So I think it's going to be an amazing game on Saturday. I I don't know what time it is. Is it at the same time as Both, the Utah game? It's at uh, it's at one thirty. So yeah, same time. One thirty. That sucks. Uh, um, Both are coming off a bye, which uh, it's just so, going to be so good. Yeah, can't write it so any better. I, I think after them, though, it's like Oregon State or Wazoo. Um, like Oregon State, Wazoo, UCLA, Utah, all kind of right in that mix. I and, and USC, I guess. Like, But I really don't think USC is in the top three or four teams in the conference right now. I think they're winning games, but the way they're doing it, like they're dropping in the polls despite winning. Like yeah. that doesn't happen in college football, to, to not to name brands. Like, especially to name brands. But yeah, it's it's – Anyway, I think the other shoe is going to drop at least once or twice this season on that team. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of tiered it the same way that Andrew did. I think the conference right at this point is Oregon's to lose. Um, I think that's gonna we're gonna it's gonna be telling after this weekend, obviously with them and, and Washington playing each other. Um, and for the reason, like Cam said, Oregon's defense, I think is 
I think the, the gap between Oregon's defense and Washington's defense is much larger than the gap from Washington's offense to Oregon's offense. Um, and I think that's the decider for me on like who the top dog is in the conference right now. But I mean, UW's right up there too. Their offense is just scary good. Um, and then basically behind them, like, it, like you guys have already said, like it's Utah and USC are like inverses of each other, like elite tier offense for USC and absolute oh, bottom dweller. Andy Ludwig is the Alan, Alan, Alan Grinch of. <laughs> For different reasons. Yeah, oh, it's very man. much different reasons. Yeah, because for different reasons. Because he's got no players to play with. USC's yeah, USC's know. personnel on paper got better on defense. <laughs> and they're somehow worse. <laughs> oh, they're so bad. It, like um, it makes no sense and it makes no sense at all. But like, you know, Utah offense, bad offense, amazing defense. USC, amazing offense, dog shit defense. So like, what if I what if, if I told could, you what if you combine those? What if you combine Utah's defense and USC's offense? You got oh, the, Lord. the 2001 Miami Hurricane. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> what if I told you that USC's defense was ranked 30 spots higher than their special teams? I haven't. Paid I would buy it. I would buy it after teams. after seeing after seeing the late game field goal attempt. I would buy it absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I I and think that's, Lincoln that's, Riley that's with and that's with Branch, right? That's with yeah. With that's yeah, Branch's Branch. return he's got, game. He's got two touchdowns, right? Already. Uh, as so. season. USC at least two. Like yeah. they're great on offense, and they are like well below average on both other phases of the game. Like it's see, so that's advantage Utah no because. Sense. Because we have a great defense, we have no offense, but our special teams, huh? our punter, yeah, you know, above average. That's that's yeah. going to eke us out the win against uh, SC. We're going to beat him with special teams. Cole Becker, I hope, has recovered um, from his mysterious injury, whatever uh, his injury was. Whatever uh, his, his leg, his, his, his leg injury, an appendage injury. injury. <laughs> yes, his, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I I agree with you guys. I think Oregon, Washington. I would put them ahead of USC, uh, and it's this this weekend is going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, cannot wait for it. I think I just think Oregon. I think they're at the top of the conference, and I I feel I don't want to say pretty confident that they're going to pull off a victory, but I I would put my money on Oregon. Um, you know, pulling out the victory this weekend in Seattle. Uh, it's it's just one of those rivalries where it doesn't really matter where you play. I think it just it's just that that good. It's that that intense. And uh, you know, I think Oregon Oregon have, head to head is does really well in that rivalry as well. That's that shouldn't be overlooked. I mean, uh, right? The they won like twenty years in a row or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think um, and I was a little bit hesitant on UW uh, this season, uh, which, you know, wrongfully so, I think, in hindsight. But I was too. Oh, I they, was too. They have more volatility to me. I think at their best, I think they are the best team in the, in the, in the league. I just think that their floor can be a lot lower. They're a lot more susceptible to some of the, the ebbs and flows, where I think Oregon, because of their defense, giving them a little bit more solid floor – uh, I think if they played ten times, I think Oregon's gonna gonna win six to seven of those. Um, but it's just like, hey, you know, if if Penix is dealing, that's really hard to stop. So um, yeah. should be a great game. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I I, I agree with you guys. Oregon, Washington, um, you know, Oregon State, USC, UCLA, and then I would put Utah right there behind those those teams. Um, you know, even with the win over UCLA, um, it's just. Until we know what's going on, until we till we get some 
some progress made on the offense side of the ball. It's just tough. You gotta gotta have offense in this league to to win it. Man, I will say a silver lining of the Pac-12 falling apart is you don't have to deal with Oregon for the next, you know next decade because I don't think they're going away. No, the way that they're recruiting, no, not at all. They're they're uh, they're here to stay. Um, yeah, Daddy's credit card, of course they ain't going anywhere. Of course, well, man. and yeah. Dan Lanning, oh. Dan Lanning seems like he can coach. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, I I uh, don't envy the Big Ten in that way. They they actually, I mean, they they leveled up with you know the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, USC. I think overall and UCLA, like those are. All right, Cam. Bring over. Enough, enough, <laughs> enough, man. No, you're I'm just, saying you're like, sticking the daggers. If you're sticking, no, listen, us with let daggers. me finish. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who would you rather be going into the Big 12 for the next 10 years, Oregon or USC? Or the Big 10? 10. Oh, I'd be, be Oregon. I'd rather be what a ooh. I'd rather be Utah going to the Big 10, uh, Big 12. Oh yeah, I'd rather be Utah going to the Big Twelve than either of those going to the Big Ten. Conference, um, Utah conference championships, playoffs, auto invites. Let's go, Utah. Made yeah, man, man. You want to you want a bold take right here? Utah will play in the playoffs before USC does uh, once they make their new moves to the their new conference. Oh, for sure. Mark it down, guaranteed. Put it in Sharpie. Want to want to hear another bold take? Um, yes. There was other news of the bye week that uh, got blown out of proportion in a wrong way. But uh, my bold take is if Taylor Randall did blow up the Pac-12, good. Utah's in a better spot than they were before. <laughs> that article, I don't know if we want to talk about it, but that article. Yeah, no, let's of, talk about it. It reeked of a hit piece. Uh, oh, yes, it, it was, did. It was, it was George from his from his cabin Kiyanka in Montana. freaking wrote that and sent it to Kanzano. Um, <laughs> Freaking Joker. Did, nobody benefited more from that than um, GK. Um, and he's always, in my opinion, Canzano has always had a direct line into his inner circle and inner, inner sanctum, if you will. Um, and the reality is, uh, if you want to blame um, somebody because negotiations didn't go well, you sure as shit better blame one of the people inside the negotiating room. Right. I don't know what. So the, dumb. I could have said, hey, I think the Pac 12s were 75 million. <laughs> Unless I'm the one negotiating, it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. If if, yeah. if GK uh, was worth his salt, he he would have either pushed back Getting or he would have negotiated better. But but he didn't, and he wouldn't let him in the room. So you know the whole idea that uh, Utah killed the the Pac-12, and the whole idea that a brand yeah. new president came in and was the only one who calling the shots and George Kliavkov yes. was just like, "That's my guy. Oh, that's that's my guy. The rest God. of you, shut up." Like, yeah. come on. They had buy-in from the other presidents. Klyavkov so took it and mismanaged it. Like, whatever. Did, did Taylor Randall, was that smart, the 50 million? No, I don't know. But, like, I don't – but, yeah, saying that he was the one – get real. Give me a break. Yeah, shut up, George. Through via John. Shut up. Shut I, up. Yeah, no, I thought that was – but, anyway, my, my bold take, like I said, is, you know what? Even if he did, even if it's his dagger in the Pac-12's back – Utah's in a better spot than they were before it started. So, yeah, I mean, I look know. like you're going to a conference. You're going to still be contending for a conference championship as soon as you get there. You're still going to have, you know, a route to the college football playoff, and that's what is most important above all else is staying in that college football playoff race and conversation. Like they're set up for for success in the you know over the next five years, um, better than than some of the other teams go to the Big Ten. 
That's and they got sure. more money for it. They got yeah. a raise. They got a bigger raise than Oregon and Washington. Well, what's going to be funny is when it all blows up before the uh, the next uh, you know uh, media deals expire. So Oregon and Washington won't even benefit from the next uh, deal near as well as they think they will. Oh man, yeah, no, absolutely, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Galaxy brain Taylor Randall. He was just like, yeah, he he didn't get a fifty million number from from a finance guy. He he just made that up and he was just like, hey, I'm going to burn this place down from the inside because it's better for us. <laughs> George was like, he was, he was like, I'm going to burn this mother down. And George was like, you better not. You well, better not. You know, what was interesting was a lot of insight um, at the time of the conference collapse, uh, both that was published and, and some unpublished was that, was that Mark Harlan was, was really in GK's corner, really pushing and holding and pulling to keep that PAC 12 together. So it's a little bit surprising to me now that suddenly it's like, Harlan and, and, and Utah were really, really trying to hold the conference together, even in the 11th hour, um, and contrast that with, oh, yeah, like also Taylor Randall killed the big, killed the Pac-12, uh, you know, with his – it just – yeah, that that piece, again, my skepticism, it's like, okay, who's telling me this story and what do they want me to – what do they want me to think? No, also, um, say what you want about how it all went down. Um Wilner and Canzano were wrong on a lot of the stuff they talked about. So, <laughs> so we're just going to start believing them now. Like, <laughs> well, Canzano's always told you what, what Kliakov wanted you to hear. So, I mean, he's been consistent in that. So. Right. But my point is like, we, everyone's been yelling about how he's wrong for all of this conference realignment stuff. Well, and now and this piece, they're like, finally the truth. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think one of the interesting things was that a lot of the individuals that maybe uh, did not align with Consano when he was super positive, suddenly have embraced the idea that, Oh, you know, this is great sourcing, fantastic article here. By yeah. Consano. Now I was like, wait a second. Weren't you the one saying he sucked ass just a week ago? Like, <laughs> Let's go back Listen, to that Twitter Dennis, timeline. If Dennis Dodd says Taylor killed the conference, Taylor Randall killed the conference, <laughs> then I'll believe it, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. The uh, the complete one. It just, you love it. Yeah, you love it. Um, All right, guys, we've been at this for a, for a bit. Let's go ahead. Let's put a bow on this one. Um, man, this was, I feel like this was a fun one. I hope people enjoy this episode. This has been a, a good one. Uh, again, just want to remind you guys, uh, go support us, utahblockcast.com. Um, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, you guys, leave, uh, go ahead. You guys Andrew. know uh, what the moon cycle is for this Saturday? Don't, don't, don't. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.